0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. If you read through the the book of Hebrews, and when you get to this uh, 11th chapter, uh, it's called the Hall of Faith. And uh, it's referred to in that way as, as God goes through this list of individuals who are known for their faith. That's what they're known for. Abraham was known for his faith. Noah was known for his faith. Even Sarah and, and uh, Abraham and the other individuals here, they are known for their faith. And as you go through the list, uh, there are many names there that we will be quite familiar with. Even if you're not that familiar with the Bible, you would know the name Abraham. You'd be like, oh, I, I know that name. I know that it's in the Bible. Maybe even know some of the stories, you know, about the name Moses and You know that all that Moses had done and and some other things and and then you get to verse number thirty one and you read by faith the harlot Rahab. For many, if you if they read the word Rahab, they would think, Who's who's Rahab? Who's who's this individual? You know, it's kind of interesting because when, when you look back on something, it, it, it can seem so obvious why certain individuals became the, the way that they became. But at the moment, it, it's not quite so obvious. You know, if you keep up with sports, one of the big events of, of every single year for, for most of the sports is something called the draft. They have something called the draft. Basically, you have teams that already have players on it, and then you have a group of people that want to join the league and want to join the teams, and the system is basically a draft. And different leagues do it differently, but in general, the best team or the team that maybe won the championship last year, they go last, and the team with the worst record generally goes first. And you just kind of have a line of everybody and, uh, you know, it's like the old, you know, uh, school playground. Everybody lines up on the wall and captains, you know, they pick down the line, you know. And that's kind of how the draft works and, and uh, team number one, they get to pick whoever it is that they want, you know. And everybody wants the first pick. Everybody wants to have the the best player, there's a lot of drama over who's going to be the the first person, who's going to be the first player that comes off of that board, and and there's a lot of drama over things like that, but it's, it's come to knowledge in many that you really don't know whether somebody is successful in the draft until you see them a few years later. There's a very famous example of a football player that, even if you don't watch sports, I'm sure that you've heard the name, the name is Tom Brady, all right? You know the name Tom Brady, right? Right now you think, wow, Tom Brady, uh, many consider the best player to ever play the sport, the best quarterback. He's won the most Super Bowls out of anybody. You know, he's been to more Super Bowls than anybody and and a lot of success. And, And now you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's so obvious until you realize that he was the 199th person picked in the draft. There are 198 other people that teams looked at them and said, yeah, Tom Brady, I, You know, he's a football player, he's, he's OK, but that person's better. And that person's better. And this person is better. And they went down 198 other people got picked before you get to Tom Brady. Now every other team, looking back, thinks, man, we should have picked Tom Brady, right? We should have picked Tom Brady. We should have picked that wide receiver. We should have picked that guy instead of the guy that we picked. You know, in the moment, it might seem, you know, very obvious, but in the future, you might look back and be like, you know what? I thought that this person was great, but he didn't turn out to be so great. I thought that this person had a lot of potential, and they were really going to do something, and not a lot happened. And on the other hand, you have some people that, They're, uh, who's that, Tom Brady? Oh, I think I've heard the name. Okay, yeah, let's pass on. Let's find some more exciting names. And, oh, look at this team. They really got these players. Man, they really did great. But down the road, you see, you know what? Tom Brady was picked 199th. But every other team, if they could go back, you know where they would have picked him? Number one. With their first pick, if they could. It seems obvious now. You know, it seems obvious when you look at some of these names of like, oh yeah, it makes sense that Abraham would be in the hall of faith, right? That seems obvious. Abraham, wow, he's the patriarch. He's the one who started it. Look at Moses. He was the greatest leader and he was the meekest out of all the earth. And and you look at some of these other names, when you get to Rahab, you think, who's Rahab? Many of you, of course, know who Rahab is, but... You know, just in life in general, you know, you see somebody who, you know, they, they, go into, they get into an Ivy League college, you know, and you think, wow, that, that totally makes sense. Look at them, they're so smart, they're so brilliant, they know so much, look how intellectual they are. And you look at people in sports, and you look at people in, in positions of power, or people who went into the business world. It, it makes so much sense, but Rahab is not somebody, if you were to just put everybody up in, on the wall... She's not somebody that you would have picked right away, and yet she ended up here in this hall of faith. She ended up here, alongside some individuals that you would have expected, but Rahab, maybe you didn't expect. Because Rahab didn't have the advantages that many other individuals had. But still... She had faith, and that's why she is here. Anybody can have faith. Anybody. Anybody can end up in this hall of faith. Anybody can be here. An Abraham can be here. A Rahab can be here. A shepherd boy in David can be here. A former prince in Moses, he could be here. Abel could be here. Enoch Could be here, anybody can have faith. Amen? Anybody can be here. And I want to see three truths regarding the faith of Rahab. First of all, I see that faith is conquering, faith is conquering, faith brings victory, faith is overcoming. No matter what the situation is in your life where you're looking at the problem, you're looking at the situation, you're looking at the difficulties, we have victory by faith. We gain and overcome and win because of faith. 1 John 5, verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our You know where victory in your life comes from? It comes from faith. And it doesn't matter the situation that you came from. It doesn't matter all of the obstacles in your way. It doesn't matter anything that is in your life or in your situation. Faith is conquering. Faith will be victorious. Faith can conquer an imperfect starting position. When you consider the life of Rahab, when you read the story there in Joshua, and we'll get to there in just a few moments, but Rahab and her family all lived in the city of Jericho. So the story is this. When you read you know, the book of Exodus, we know that Moses is there, the children of Israel. They are all in Egypt. They are all in bondage, and, and God sends Moses to deliver his people. And he says, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he gives all sorts of excuses. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I'm not eloquent. And God says, you're going to go. And so he went. And he met his brother Aaron along the way. And they went. And you know the story. The ten plagues of Egypt. They came to show God's power over the gods of Egypt, to show his power over the power of Pharaoh. And so finally, at the very end, after the tenth plague, he lets them go. And they go. Now they try to. Pharaoh says, you know what? I need those people back. And he tries to go after them. God protects his people, he splits the Red Sea, and they cross on dry ground. What a miracle. And what a great picture of salvation. That's what happened when you got saved. When you got saved, God delivered you from bondage. God had power over your sin, and over the devil, and over the world. And and, uh, there is power with God. And God delivered the children of Israel. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. God wanted them to go in right away. But they didn't have the faith. So God said, all right, you're going to wander in the wilderness, and then the next generation will go in. Moses dies at the very end of Deuteronomy, and Joshua takes over the lead. There's a few chapters, and they, they go over the Jordan River, and they're standing there in front of Jericho. When you read the story, you find out that Rahab is not living there just by herself, but her family lives there. Right? Her father is there. Her other family members are all there. It's most likely that Rahab was born and lived and probably expected to die in the city of Jericho. That's probably the reality of the situation. Her family all lived there. She had a home in the wall of the city. I mean, that's probably the situation that was there. She wasn't born to a person of the lineage of Abraham. She didn't have the word of God. She didn't have people that could guide her and lead her from a young age in the ways of God. She didn't have all of these things. She didn't have all of the advantages that that people look at and say, well, of course you're able to live for God because, well, your parents raised you up in church, but I didn't have parents like that. Well, it's, it's easy for you to say that because you had a church from, a, from an early age and you learned all of these things, but I just recently started coming to church and, and I have all of these things that are in my life, but I want you to know that faith conquers an imperfect starting position. Maybe when you look at the list, you would say, well, of course Isaac would be on this list. Look at who his dad was. His dad was Abraham. Of course you should end up on the list, right? Of course, Jacob, you would end up on this list because you had Abraham as your grandfather and you had Isaac as your father. Joseph, of course, that makes sense. And we would look at the names, but Rahab didn't have any of those advantages. She didn't have a parent that raised her in the the ways and teachings of God. She didn't have a family. She didn't have a church. She didn't have the. She didn't even have the Word of God up until right here when we see that she meets with some of these individuals. Rahab was born with an imperfect starting position, but faith overcomes. Faith is victorious. I remember watching this video in. Uh, it's from a race in two thousand and eight. It's from the uh, from the Big Ten. You know this is college Big Ten indoor championship. 600 meter run and uh, there's four girls and and they're running around. I think they're running three times around this this track and uh, so there's three laps and uh, that's the race and uh, so there's four individuals that are there and they all start running around. They're all kind of closely packed together and uh, right as they finish the second lap, the girl in the lead trips and she falls and the other three, of course, they keep running, right? And that girl in the lead you know, she falls down on the ground and she looks up and, and the, the rest of the pack is really far ahead. You know, everybody kind of feels bad for her. You know, it's just kind of a, you know, just a, a situation that you couldn't expect. You know, she's just running along and her foot clips maybe the person that's, you know, kind of right behind her. And, but you know the amazing thing that happened next was she didn't give, you know, fall down and give up. You know what she did is she got up and she ran as fast as she could. I don't know if you've seen this video, but in one lap, she started making her way around, and she beat all the other girls with one lap to go. You know, maybe you're in a situation where you, you felt like, you know what, I, I don't have the advantages. Look at everybody else. They're farther up ahead than me. Faith can overcome. Faith can bring the victory. Faith is not dependent upon where you start. No matter where it is that you you are, you can have faith. You can have faith today. Amen? You can have faith. You can trust God today. We also see that faith conquers an immorally selected path. The Bible says that here in verse number 31, by faith, the harlot, Rahab. It's not a coincidence that that word was put in there. It was a reminder of the path that she had chosen in life. Of course, she was a harlot. It's not an honorable profession. But at the time, that's where she was. She had made some decisions. And that's where she was in her life. But still, she ended up in the hall of faith. Because no matter where you are in life today, you can trust God. No matter where you are. You don't have to clean up your life before you trust God. You can trust God today. You don't have to think about, oh, you know what, all of these things, I've got to fix all of these things, and then I'll serve God. No, you can trust God and serve God today. You may say, oh, there's so many things going on in my life, so many troubles, so many difficulties, so many obstacles, and and I even understand that these are decisions of my own that brought me here, but faith overcomes. You can have faith today. We see that faith is victorious. Even though Rahab maybe didn't have what Isaac had, she didn't have what Joseph had, She didn't have what Moses had, and yet she ended up alongside of them as you walk down the hall of the hall of faith. And you see the the plaques, and you see the names behind the glass, and with the light coming in, there she is, Rahab. Because faith is victorious. Faith conquers. We also see that faith conquers impeding surrounding people, meaning this. She lived in a city where nobody believed God. Right, nobody believed God. Nobody trusted God. Nobody followed God. And there are these two spies that come in from the children of Israel. They come into the city. I'm sure it would have been fairly obvious who they were. Right, you don't wander around for forty years in the wilderness and not be known in a particular way. So, I'm sure that they kind of stuck out. Like, who are these people? I I I think they might be from that group that escaped from Egypt. We've heard stories about this group that escaped from Egypt, and and they were in the wilderness, and now they're they're right here, right outside of our door. The king wanted to, to arrest them. Many of the people had an opportunity, but none of them received them. None of them wanted anything to do with the things of God. Out of all of the inhabitants of the city, there was only one who trusted God. But she didn't need anybody else to trust God. She didn't need her friends to support her in order to trust God, amen? She didn't need anybody else to to form a big coalition, all right, we're all going to trust God and we're all going to receive the spies and we're all going to do this thing together. She could trust God by herself and receive the blessings of God no matter what anybody else did. Faith allows for the individual of faith to receive the blessings of faith, no matter what happens around you. And praise the Lord for that. That a husband doesn't have to wait for the wife. You can have faith today. And trust that God will bring them along to have faith with you. You know, you don't need to wait for your friends to come along. And to do what you're doing, you can have faith and trust God and say, you know what? This is the God of the Bible. This is the God who is the creator. And I will trust and obey him and receive salvation. That's what happened to Rahab. Out of all of the inhabitants of the city of Jericho, you know who survived? Only Rahab and her family. That's it. But for Rahab, that's all that she needed. She had faith faith is conquering faith overcomes faith is victorious no matter what the situation is in your life i know that you know when when you talk with your friends you talk with other individuals and you find the burdens in, in people's lives and, and uh, you know, oh, there's, there's some difficulty in my home. There's some difficulty in my workplace. And, and uh, there's some financial difficulties and health difficulties. And, and uh, not to minimize any of those, those are great obstacles, but faith can overcome no matter the obstacle. We see that faith is conquering. I also see that faith invokes a choice. Faith invokes a choice. Faith involves choosing that's what faith is faith is simply choosing God Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31 by faith the Rahab harlot the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace when the spies walked by she had a choice It's fairly obvious that she knew that they were spies. Otherwise, why would she take them in and say, we know that your God is the God? (laughs) She knew that. Everybody knew that. And everybody had the same choice. They were walking in the same cities, walking in the same streets, and going down the same roads. Everybody has a choice when it comes to faith. If you have your Bibles open, turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter number 2. Joshua, chapter number 2. And we're going to take a look at this woman, Rahab, as she spoke to the spies. She received the spies. The king tried to arrest the spies, and she directed them another way. She had hid them on the roof of her home, and she went up to the roof. And in verse number 9, we see some of the words that she gives. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Faith involves a choice a choice to recognize the land of God. Do you see what Rahab was doing here? She says to the spies that I know that the Lord hath given you the land. You know what she's saying? She's saying, I know that God has given you my land my city, my country. These are the places that I grew up with. These are the things that I call my own. And she acknowledges that it is all God's. That God owned the land and God can give it to whoever he wants. You know, faith involves the choice of recognizing the land of God, to recognize that everything that we have is already God's. That your life was given to you by the Lord. And one day, he will require it back of you again. That the opportunities that we have, they're not my opportunities, but the opportunities that God gave to me. You know, the abilities that I have, they're, they're not my abilities. They're abilities that God gave to me. And in the Christian's life, having faith is recognizing the land of God, that that all of these things are really God's to begin with. You know, my time is God's time. My money is God's money. My life is God's, uh, the the time that I have and, and the life that I live for God. We also see that there is faith is a choice to recognize the lordship of God. Verse number 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When he came out of Egypt. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Hey, word gets around. Rahab had heard the stories. Hey, there's this group of people that escaped Egypt. And, and did you hear how they got out of Egypt? The Red Sea, it parted, and everybody walked through on dry ground. She she heard about the story of the power of God. She didn't see it with her own eyes, but she trusted that it was true. She also heard about these two kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og, out in the wilderness. Here's a group of people. They're not an army. They're not trained soldiers. They're just a a group of people that were in bondage. And they came out and they knew, everybody knew that God had destroyed the armies for his people, the children of Israel. And she says, I heard these things. And in verse number 11, as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God. In heaven above and in earth beneath. She saw the power of God demonstrated for the people of God, and she recognized the Lordship of God. God, you are That your God is the real God. These other gods that I've been serving, they're not the real gods. Your God is the real God. And that's a choice that you can make. To trust God. To recognize the lordship of God. I also see that faith is a choice to recognize the life from God. Verse number 12. Joshua chapter 2 verse number 12 says... Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives. Jesus makes it clear that he is the resurrection and the life. Life comes from God. Eternal life comes from Jesus Christ, our Lord. Faith involves a choice. You know what? You don't work your way to heaven. Going to church enough times won't take you to heaven. At your past, you, you, you might have all sorts of things that you've done in your past and, and all sorts of activities that you've been involved in, but you can have faith today. If you're lost here today and you haven't trusted in Christ as your Savior, you can trust in Christ today. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what's going on in your life, and no matter the obstacles that are there, you can have faith and trust in God today. Thirdly, I see that faith imparts a change. Faith changes, and praise the Lord for that. Matthew chapter number 1, I want you to turn here. It's One last verse that I want you to see regarding Rahab. Matthew chapter number 1. When you look at Matthew chapter number 1, and you look at those verses that are there, it's, it's a lot of names. A lot of names of people that maybe you and I, we, we don't know these names. We don't know who these people are. But in the middle of the passage, there's a few names that we do recognize. Verse number five. And Salmon begat Boaz. Boaz is a name some of you may recognize. Boaz is a name of an individual who's in the book of Ruth. Salmon begat Boaz of, that's the name, Rahab. Rahab had children with Salmon, and her descendants included Boaz. Boaz is a very important figure in the Bible to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and what he had done. Here's the story of the book of Ruth, real briefly if I can. There was a man who lived in Israel. There was a famine there. And he said, you know what? There are financially difficult times. I know that God gave us a promised land. I know we should stay in the promised land. But for financial reasons, he left the place of God. And what ended up happening was there was a man, there was his wife, and there are two sons. There's four of them that left. Three of them died before ever returning to the place of God. Hey, be careful about leaving the place of God for money. Be careful of leaving the place of God for money. You might think, I'm in a famine right now. Look over there in the land of Moab. Look over there in the the land of the world. There's more financial riches over there. The three of them, the three men in that family, they lost their lives. Only one was left. Naomi was there, and her two daughters-in-law were there. Her two sons had married, Orpah and Ruth. Naomi's like, what am I doing here? I heard that it's better back home. Why did I even come? I'm going back home. And and her daughters-in-law said, we're going to go with you. And she's like, I don't have anything for you. My family is is gone, and I don't have anything. Just, Just go back. And Orpah does. But Ruth cleaves unto Naomi and says, I will not leave. And so she says, okay, we're going to go. She goes back and goes back to her hometown. And, and everybody's like, oh, you're back. And she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. It means bitter. She's like, I'm bitter. I'm bitter with how God has treated me. I'm bitter with how life has turned out. I'm bitter with these losses. And she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me, call me bitter. She's bitter, and so she's, she's living there, but Ruth is there, and, and Ruth is like, well, I, you know, there's no jobs for me to do. What do I do? And so what, those, the, what the widows would do is they would go out into the fields and they would gather whatever was left behind. You know, nowadays we have this, you know, fancy machinery, but back in the day, they would do it all by hand. They would bring in the harvest by hand, and the instruction of God was this. If you, you know, using the shears, you would, gather in the grain you would collect the grain if you drop the grain though you're not allowed to pick it back up you are to leave it for those in need that was the law and so she would they would they would cut all of the grain and the servants I'm sure would try to do their best but whatever fell was for those in need including widows like Naomi and Ruth they were also not to cut all of the corners at the corners at the very edges of the field. They were not allowed to go all the way into the corner. They were kind of to round the corner. Kind of like if you were to kind of draw a circle in the field, you know, the corners, they would be kind of left out of that circle. Those corners were left for people in need. And so Ruth, she's like, well, my husband passed away. You know, we need to eat. We need to survive. So she went out humbly into the fields, just collecting whatever was there. And she happened to go into the field of Boaz. And she collected a lot that day. And she came back, and uh, her mother-in-law is like, wow, you collected more than usual. Where did you go? And she said, oh, I went to so-and-so field. I I think the name is Boaz. And, And she's like, oh, Boaz is a good man. Boaz, he's one of our kindred. He's a good person. And so she's like, just keep going. And Boaz took notice of her. He knew and he had heard the stories about how Ruth was treating uh, her mother-in-law and, and heard some good things, saw what she was doing, saw her spirit and all of these things. And so, and so she was working there. And, and uh, Boaz would tell the servants to purposefully drop things on the ground if Ruth was behind them. All right? Hey, servants, don't, don't make it so obvious. But, you know, if you see this, this, this one, if you see Ruth, if she comes and she's behind you, you know, just, just let a few things drop, Okay? And I want her to have some extra. And so she would go. I don't know whether she knew any of this. And she's like, wow, they keep dropping things. Wow, God's blessing me. And, and it really, he was. God was blessing her through Boaz. But then it comes down to this, which is basically the custom was that if your uh, brother, if your brother passed away and, uh, and he was married, the you were to take care of that family. You would bring them into the family. Right? You would basically marry the, the widow because the widow doesn't have any economic opportunity. And so the brother was responsible for that family. And so, so Naomi goes through with Ruth, and she sits, she sits her down, and she says, okay, here's the situation. This is the custom of our land. This is the law. This is what needs to be done. And this, these are the rules. The rules are this. The closest relative goes first. If they forfeit that, then it goes to whoever is next, and it will just go down the line. And so, you know, Ruth and, and, uh, and Boaz, they have a conversation, and he says, all right, don't worry about it. I'm going to figure it out. All right, so the next day, he goes into the gate. And that's where kind of formal business would take place. You have a lot of witnesses, a lot of people that are there. And so Boaz goes over there, and, and he sees that closest kindred because Boaz is not first. He's second in line. So Boaz is second, and he goes up to this kindred, and he says, hey, how are you? And they, they, they chit-chat for a little bit, I'm sure. And then, and then he says, all right, uh, we, we have a matter of business that needs to be taken care of, all right? Right? You know our, our relative, they, they passed away and they left land behind, Naomi's land. Right? We as the relatives, we need to take care of the land. We need to take responsibility of the land. And uh, he says to his, his, his kindred, his relative, you can, you can take the land. You're first in line. And he says, yes, land, I want the land. I'm taking the land. And Boaz says, yeah, but you also got to marry Ruth. Ruth is not an Israelite. Ruth is a Moabite. And that, that kindred, that man said, I don't want to sully my ancestry or, or, or descendants. And I want to keep a pure bloodline there. And so he refuses. Boaz takes advantage of it and he says, all right, I'm going to marry her then. I'm going to take her. He was less concerned with the land. He was more concerned about Ruth. Just so you're aware, God is not as concerned with what you have. He's more concerned about you. But here is Ruth, and she has this story. Boaz is a very compassionate man for those that are outside, right? We can see that. We can tell that. We can tell that he's not as concerned as others would be. Where do you think Boaz got that from? From Rahab. Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Do you see the kind of legacy that Rahab left behind? Do you see the kind of legacy that that she left behind for Boaz and for others? Hey, don't ever discount the outsiders. Hey, don't ever discount no matter where they come from, no matter their past. No matter their situation, no matter their obstacles, God looks at and respects faith. Hey, here's a woman of faith. Here's an individual of faith. Hey, maybe she doesn't have the spotless background that others would have expected, but she had faith and Boaz had compassion on her. Do you see the kind of legacy that Rahab left behind for Boaz? Continuing on. Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed, be, Obed begat Jesse. Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Who is that? It's Bathsheba. Remember the sin of David? You know the story in 1 Samuel. Or 2 Samuel. You know the story. And you know what I see in this sequence... Because when you look at the sequence before, you have Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah. and You have all of these names that you would expect to be there. But starting with Rahab, you begin to see some names that are in the lineage of Jesus Christ, some names that you would not expect to be there. And I think it's because of the impact of Rahab and her life. There's a company close by here, you may have heard of it. It's called SpaceX. SpaceX has been in the news recently. They've been launching things into space. Been, you know, making a big hoopla, a lot of videos. Live streaming, the rockets going up into space, you know. It's a very exciting affair, you know. They're celebrating and things like that. And, and the rocket goes up, and the rocket comes back down. And when it lands, you know, everybody's cheering. All the SpaceX employees are, like, shouting and screaming. And they're very excited. And you have smaller rockets, and you have bigger rockets, right? If you ever watch the, the, the rockets go off, especially the big ones, in general, there's three stages, Right? There's the first stage. You have the big rockets. You know, you kind of have the three cylinders, right, the main rocket and two others. And, And they all go up into space together, right? And then after a certain amount of time, those first two rockets, what do they do? They run out of fuel and they break off. And then you get to stage number two, right? Stage number two takes off from where stage number one left off. Stage number two takes over from stage number one and, and gets it not just off the ground, but now they're kind of in the air, and it, it gets it kind of into space. And when it runs out of fuel, it drops to the ground, and stage three takes over. And stage three is whatever the payload is, and it, it begins to circulate the Earth, probably you know, you know, throwing up a satellite into space and begins to orbit, right? What I see in in this story of Rahab and the impact that she had was she's a stage one individual of faith. You know, getting off the ground is the hardest part of a rocket, right? Once you get into space, you just keep orbiting, right? I mean, you don't even need a lot of fuel. It just keeps going around and around and around and around hundreds, thousands of times. But getting it off the ground, that's the hard part, right? Right? That's the hard part, right? You ever try to get anything off the ground? Uh, That's the hard part. Stage 2 has it a little bit easier because of stage 1. Now, that's not to say that just because stage 1 does its job, that stage 2 will automatically get there, right? If stage 2 doesn't do its job, guess what? Stage three goes back to the earth and you start over again. But do you see that I believe that God's plan is for every Christian to be somewhere one of those stages launching off the future generation farther and closer to God. Now every individual needs to trust God on their own. Everybody needs to be saved, amen? All right? Just because stage one got you off the ground doesn't mean that you're automatically there. If you don't trust God on your own, guess what? you fall back to the ground. You need to trust God. You need to uh, be saved. You need to trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. But in reality, so for instance, my dad, he's, he's the first one to be saved in his family. His dad wasn't saved. My grandfather wasn't saved. My dad was the first one that was saved. And I was, you know, sequentially. Now, I'm, I'm like a stage two kind of individual. Now, I didn't get saved till I was 20. I didn't get saved till I was much later but there's a lot of battles that I didn't have to face because stage one Christian did it for me, right? It was never a struggle whether or not I was going to go to church on Sunday morning because there was never a choice whether to go to church on Sunday morning. That was not a battle. It's like, do you want to live or do you want to not live? If you want to live, you go to church. Otherwise, you basically, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, you're going to church. You're my child, you know. I'm just joking, all right? Some of you are thinking, whoa, right? But my dad, he fought some battles for me. He said, we're going to church on Sunday morning, every single week. And then when God spoke to his heart about we're going to church every week on Sunday night, guess what? I went along with him. And then my dad decided we're going to Sunday school every week. Then I went along with him. What else could I do? I go along with him. You know what? It's, that's not one of the things that I struggle with. Now, every one of us, me included, we all have a flesh. We all have sin that we we battle with. But that's not a battle that I struggled with because my dad fought those battles for me. God spoke to my dad, worked in his heart about let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Hey, you should go. You should hear the word of God. Hey, you should take your family there. We should go there. And I was greatly benefited by it. I'm a stage two individual. Now, I still had to trust God on my own. I still have to live a faith of my own. But the hope is that my children can be stage three. Stage one was getting off the ground. My dad did a lot of searching. He, He went to a lot of places looking for the truth and went through a lot of studies. But for me, I grew up hearing the gospel all the time. Every week I went to church and I heard the gospel. And after so many years, finally God broke through to my heart and he said, you're not saved. You've been to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. You go to youth group activities, but you're not saved. And finally I realized, you know what? Even though stage one got me off the ground, if I don't trust Christ as my Savior, my rocket's not going to fire and I'm going to fall back down. I realized that. But you know what, because of what my dad had done and really the work that God had done through my father, it makes my life a little bit easier. And every generation thereafter. And here's the amazing legacy of Rahab was that she didn't start off with any advantages. She didn't start off with the advantage of growing up hearing about God. She didn't grow up hearing the word of God. She didn't grow up with a family that loved God and and taught the word of God. She didn't have any of those things. But when it came time to trust God, she put her whole complete faith in God and just said, your God, the children of Israel, your God is the God. I want that God. I want to serve that God. I want to follow that God. And she did. And guess what? Her descendants were forever changed because of it. You know what enlarging our tent involves? Enlarging our tent involves this. You know, when I was in New Jersey, uh, I, I would go door knocking. And uh, New Jersey, you know, the Northeast in general, not just New Jersey, but the Northeast is, has a lot of people where their parents lived in the same house that they are living in right now. Sometimes even you have grandparents giving their homes to their Sons giving it to their grandsons. As you all know, houses are expensive, amen. You ever try looking at a house around here? It's expensive. I I go door knocking down the street or I walk down the street. There's been a few houses down the street from me where they're up for sale. And I, I look them up. I grab the piece of paper. I'm like, whoa. I put the paper back. <laughs> It takes a lot of finances to purchase a house. But you know the legacy of having purchased a house? Is you can leave that house for those behind you. You know what Rahab did? She left something for those behind us, behind her. She gave something to those behind her that she herself never got. That's the hope I think that every Christian should have, which is no matter your starting place, no matter the obstacles in your life, no matter where it is that you've been to or currently are in life, is that God would work through you to give those after you here in the church or in your family some things that maybe you never got. But that will allow them to go farther because God worked through you. Hey, let's enlarge our tent like Rahab. Hey, let's not look back at where, where we started. Let's not look back at what obstacles are in a way. Let's look forward to how God can work and give those after us even better than we have.